Hi. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything is fine. Hey, everybody. Everything's fine. Hey, everything's fine. Relax. Everything is just live from the two one five. My name is Kyle Pagan. I'm joined always by Mark Henry. And before we get into today's episode, we have a new sponsor called Taproom. You know what I hate, Mark? What? I wasn't ready at all. <laughs> I hate paying GoPuff and Drizzly fees when I want to just drink some beers with the boys on a Sunday. Now, I know you're not a beer drinker. You're more in the vitamin game. But nothing better than getting some beers with the boys, football slate, Sunday, watching the birds or watching someone, watching Red Zone. I work hard during the week. Sunday is the Sabbath. It's a day of rest. That's why you'll never catch me carrying a rack of 30 of more light a rack of Corona. I live five blocks away from a beer distributor. It's not fun carrying those back. So I get it delivered by using Taproom. Anything from domestics, exotic beers, hard seltzers can be found here. And you can get $50 off your first order of 100 or more with code FINE50, P-H-I-N-E 50. Throw in a Halloween party this weekend and need some beer? FINE50. So go to pa.taproom.com to order today. All right, Mark. Before we get into today's episode, we have a nice one with Mike K. This one is an episode that if you're totally out on Nick Sirianni, I would listen to it all the way through because Mike K actually made some good points. Now, is Nick Sirianni in his back pocket? Is he giving him a bunch of sources and whatnot? And that's why he's so positive about him. I don't know. But I thought he actually had some good points, really, and uh, and and kind of brought me back in on the Nick Sirianni train and kind of you know had me had me looking at this Sunday with kind of a different eye. But uh, before we get to Mike, we're going to talk about the Sixers. And before we talk about the Sixers, I want to do a little Flyers update for you. Here's a Flyers update. Flyers are playing good. Keep it up, Flyers. That's the update? That's the update. Keep on doing that hockey. Keep on hockeying over there, Flyers. All right. So Sixers, through four games, third in offensive rating, 21st in defensive rating, 14th in points per game, 12th in opponent points per game. They're number one in effective field goal percentage. They're shooting over 40% from three. Let's overreact a little bit. What are your thoughts four games in to Sixers? Mark Henry, go. Last night's game was like one of those games where you watch it and you're like, I don't have many thoughts. Like that's a game I won't think about very many times going forward in the future. I won't be like, oh, remember that game in October against the Pistons where we won by 10 or eight, whatever it ended up being. Yeah. It's just one of those games where it's like, you want more of those, I guess. Like we, we need more, more of these games against bad teams where there's not a lot of talking points and there's not a lot of off the field stuff to talk about or off the court stuff to talk about. Obviously Joel needs to stop like getting teed up every game. Um, this one wasn't his fault at all. In my opinion, you, that's like, the NFL, I mean, you heard it from Allah Abdel Nabi. Uh, he was complaining about the no fun league. You didn't know they brought it to the NBA. I've seen, you know, uh, LeBron, whoever you want to use, Russell Westbrook. I don't know why my head's only on Lakers. Anthony Davis, whoever you want to use after Come a hello, dunk. Anthony. Yeah, yeah. After a dunk, they they get out, and um, that's what they do. They they taunt, or I don't know if you want to call it taunting, but they celebrate a dunk. It, and I the, the whole video with Joel running up to the ref and – I'm talking to myself. <laughs> that, was, that was so funny. That's like a that's a great moment, and just one of those where you're just like, oh my god, he's like the most lovable human being in the world. 
Um, it's like when you're getting yeah. in trouble with your parents and you mumble under your breath and like, what did you say? It's like, I said something to myself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was just like, this was a basketball game that certainly took place. That's that's where <laughs> I'm at with it. But I, honestly, like, that's a good thing right now because any any game where you don't see Joel laboring and really looking like it's hard to get around out there is a good one. And last night was the best he's looked so far this year. Just I don't even know what his stats were. I'll pull it up while I'm talking. But more so than stats-wise, I was just impressed with how he looked and how side-to-side like quick he was on defense. It really felt like he – I don't know if he had a couple days off there in between games or if you know, last game was such a such a blowout that he kind of took some time off in that game to, to rest up. But he looked much healthier, at least, um, in that game than he did in the first four. Now, does that mean I like I'm going to change my opinion? Oh, there it is. So uh, he had 30 and 18. Yeah, I mean that's 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 rock solid. So the the more you get from Joel Embiid is obviously the most important thing this season. And going into yesterday's game, I said it on um, Sean Brace's show on Fox, The Gambler. I, I said like you should probably sit him down for two to three weeks and take the Thank decision you. out of Joel's hands. I mean, I don't know if I still feel that way, but you know, all it'll take is one little wince on his face for me to feel that way, or one little comment to Ramona Shelburne about how he can't walk in between games. So, uh, I mean, Josh Giddy with a minute and change left in the game on a dunk. <laughs> yeah. Well, Ali doesn't care if Josh yeah. Giddy gets hurt, but um, no, I we need Joel to be fully healthy. We need Joel to be Joel. He obviously should have gotten the meniscus surgery. Uh, I think that that is. I think everyone feels the same way about that. I remember bringing it up. I don't know if it was on this podcast, but I remember bringing it up when that was announced this summer that he wasn't getting surgery. And I was like, man, this is, this seems like a really weird decision. And it was, but he looked good last night. And I thought, um, I thought Tyrese Maxey looked really, really good. Uh, you know, I've already heard some buzz to people wanting to take him out of the starting lineup, put him with the bench, have him run the bench unit maybe put Furkan in there, maybe put Shake in there now that he's back. Um, but I, I loved what I saw out of Tyrese Maxey in the starting lineup and his ability to get to the bucket. He went six for eight. He was super efficient. Um, there was a couple times where he got the ball kicked out to him um, at the three-point line where it felt like he was pretty open, and that's going to be a shot that we need Tyrese Maxey not only to take but to hit um, when you get a kicked-out wide-open three. Um, but, that I mean, that's going to come with time. Uh, he did go two for two in this game from three, so – um, yeah, I would like to see more attempts. I'd love to see more attempts from Seth Curry going two for two from three. That is Seth Curry taking two threes in a game while playing 32 minutes is one of the biggest wastes of like Seth Curry that you could possibly have. And uh, I guess one more positive to throw in there at the end is Shake Milton. He looks like he's a legitimate rotation guy. We got like usually I, I like to say that we either you either get good shake or bad shake. There's not a lot of in between. Last night was in between. It was pretty good. Uh, there were obviously moments of like, what are you doing out there? Uh, but it was pretty good. He ended up with uh, 13 points on five to 10 shooting, five assists. Uh, maybe he can be that backup point guard that we need behind Maxi. Yeah, I really want Maxi to stay with the five guys. I, I know the the bench unit needs some scoring. It needs a point guard and whatnot. I just don't want to see Shake out there. I don't see Shake looks like the future. I'd rather have Tyrese Maxi uh, playing in the five. You're very positive. I, I was I uh, I was bartending during the first half and I recorded the second half, so I really only got to watch the second half. The offense is so vanilla. The half court offense. Mm-hmm. And I hate using vanilla because we just use it for Nick Sirianni stuff, but it is. It's just vanilla. Like the dump into the guys posting up 
and just let them bully their way to the basket while everyone kind of just stands around. One guy makes a cut. If Joel, like you, once once you dump the ball and it's it's a black hole, you're not getting it back most of the time. He didn't handle double teams that well uh, that good last night. Um, and you know that's always a thing where it's like you'll get a stretch of him where he's like, damn, Joel handled that double team perfectly for like over three, mm-hmm. four, five games. Yesterday just wasn't that kind of that that game. I don't know if it was the matchups or whatnot. And um, there there was at one point that, and I think it was the the third quarter. I think it was the end of the third quarter. It was Detroit, and there was a pass from from Jackson to Olenek in the post, and Trey Lyles cuts to the basket and gets an and one and goes to the line. My eyes like popped out of my head at one point because like that's the most activity I've seen on offense like in this whole second half and the whole third quarter. So I just really I, I don't know what to think about Doc. Really, I mean, breaking news, people. Ben Simmons is this team's better with Ben Simmons. We understand that they're better passing. They're better in the little things out of the pick and roll. They're better in driving kicks. They're better at getting it into the post. Maxi is averaging 1.2 more points per game than Ben Simmons is, and I'm sure it's skewed on the other end where Ben probably had six more rebounds and six more assists than Maxi did the first four games. But I'm, the scoring is not there. And you got to remember, this team is one challenge away from Doc Rivers from being 3-1 and one, and one bad second quarter from being 4-0. Four 4-1 and now. Four and 5-1. and five four and one. Oh shit! Have they already played five games? Yeah, yeah, three and two. I thought they're two and two right now. Three, and, three two. and two. Right now? Oh, the yeah. three and two right now. Yeah, sorry. So four and one, five and zero oh from from uh, from a bad second quarter in the Garden. Yeah, I mean, there's there's not much to talk about, but I want to ask you this because I think you would enjoy this. If Matisse Thybul could shoot forty percent from three, would he be a third team All NBA? Would some would some Ringer uh, article write a whole feature on him? about he is this unicorn who could play defense, who could shoot from three, who is revolutionizing the game of basketball. 100%. 100%. And not only 40% to make All-NBA, he would have to shoot 35% on, like, average, on average volume, four, five, six attempts, to be a top 50 player in the NBA. That's all he would have to do because of how just dominant he is defensively. It's re- it, because of that, it is getting frustrating. Uh, yeah. This is, I mean, we're at what? We're at age 26 now. Um, I don't know how much growth is there. I know that, that there were. Is? I think so, right? He's older he, than Ben? I might be wrong about that. He might be 24, 25, but I, I know so he 24. came into the league very old um, yeah. because he stayed at Washington. So um, I, I don't know where he's at, but he's in year three um, at, at this point. 24, so, yeah. 24, okay. He's, old, he's younger than I thought, but um, I, I mean, He's just a complete offensive zero. I do. He did make a three yesterday, but he looks nice too. There, it does, uh, and that's the that's the problem. It, it never looks too ugly. It, yeah. It's a it's a fine looking jumper. It's just he needs to work on it and be able to shoot it and be willing to shoot it without being completely wide open. There was one of the first possessions of the fourth quarter. Uh, he tips a he tips a dribble handoff, and uh, there's a scrum. And it gets uh, the Pistons player gets it out to Olenek, and Olenek drives, pulls up, and then Matisse is there to block from behind, and starts the break, gets over to Furcon, three, they go up fifteen, Pistons call a timeout. I mean, it was just, it was it was just magical. Like yeah, I mean, he it's funny to look it's funny to look at because he wasn't minus twelve. <laughs> he had really? the, wow. Yeah, yeah. He had the worst uh, plus minus on the team. And it looks like most of the bench did too. Andre Drummond, it was a 
bad Andre Drummond game. Like I, I, w- I was watching that very frustrated. He fouled out in 14 minutes. Um, he had more fouls than rebounds, um, which is never a great sign with Drummond out there. But uh, that, that was one of those games where it's like, man, we are getting nothing from the backup five here, which is fine, I guess, as long as Ben's not there. Um, and I just wanted to touch on that real quick, the whole this team needs Ben Simmons and this team has a Ben Simmons problem. And I know Austin Krell is certainly trying to push that narrative. So, um, And there is, there's plenty of people out there trying to push that narrative. It's not the case uh, to me. I, you can point at that New York game and you and you can say um, we would have defended better with Ben in the game. That's that's a hundred percent sure. Don't think they win that game with Ben. I think that was just like New York's red hot right now, um, and I, I think that that was just a game that they were going to win in the Garden. But um, you know, I didn't watch last night's game and I didn't think to myself like, oh, we're really missing Ben Simmons. Mm-hmm. Like even when it got vanilla on offense, I don't really think Ben Simmons would have. Uh, change that. Uh, and I know he's a good passer. I know he gets the fast break. So maybe there would have been a couple more fast break opportunities. Maybe that kind of takes away from, you know, how bad the, um, the half court offense can get at times. I thought uh, the fast break looks pretty good this year. Like you said, yeah, it does, but it, it's definitely down um, yeah. attempts wise, just when you don't have the, the fastest guy in the NBA out there, uh, you're going to get out after it less, but it, no, it's been efficient, but it, it hasn't been, as huge of a part of our offense percentage wise uh, as it has been with Ben in the past, but I, I don't have the stats to back that up either. That's just me speaking from eye test, which I don't I like, test, do, I like this Mark. Henry. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, I uh, yeah, the complaints are pretty obvious. It's that Joel needs to stay healthy. Andre Drummond didn't look good. Seth Curry needs to shoot more threes. Matisse and the Bible needs to do something on offense. Uh, yeah, I, I was focusing on the positives off the top because I, I tried to. But Tobias Harris, I, I know he ended up with 17 and 6. He shot 7 and 13. I think he looks terrible. Um, I, I think he looks like the Tobias from two years ago more than the Tobias from last year. Um, it, to me, it looks like he's taken a little bit of a step back, and I haven't been impressed with him defensively either. Um, I don't know. Maybe – and I don't know how we how I went this far without mentioning – Danny Green, who was a plus 19, by the way, which is funny, tied for the best on the team. Looks plus awful. minus is, is the dumbest stat, isn't it? No, it's not. It's I not. It's when it's over a when it's over a um a larger sample size, it's not. I think when you get a when you get a large sample size of plus minus, it, it usually tells you a, a good story. Um, but there's obviously outliers, and there's obviously uh, positive and negative outliers that that will kind of make that stat look not as as smart as it should be sometimes. No one else besides Joel and the team took more than two free throws. Damn. Joel at 15. Um, going back to Tobias Harris, I'm going to butcher this tweet I saw, but it was just, it was basically the layman's terms of it. I'm sorry. If, mother, you're not listening to this. Um, it was, it was like Tobias Harris is a good player, but for this team to compete and be a championship contender, Tobias Harris has to be moved. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I think it might be true. Um, I would argue, of course, and I argue this about Ben. I argue this about everything. I mean, they were they lost to the Raptors on the quad bounce. So, like, the whole do we need to move him to win a championship? Probably not. But would it be ideal if we could move him? Uh, and would it give us a better chance at a championship? Probably. Um, so I'm really just taking an issue with semantics here. Um, but I think that, yeah, Tobias Harris, we, we would trade him if someone wanted him. I think that's, I think that's pretty well known. 
So what do you think about the whole like Ben is Ben is our only issue? Not having Ben is our only issue. Cause I think Clutch played this perfectly. The whole if if this was a card, and I'll be the first one to tell you, I think it's a card that they played about the mental health situation and whatnot. I, and you can you can disagree with that. That's fine. When you play ten other cards and they don't work, and you play this one, uh, sorry if I'm not gonna believe you that uh, that you're 100 percent um, honest and, and true when you're you know two days ago, two days before you were trying to do anything to get out of Philadelphia. Um, the thing is. With the whole Ben Simmons stuff, I feel like this card has kind of reset the vitriol and the anger at Ben. I feel like it has 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 gone dormant. Um, we have talked before about where we get our news from. I just feel like the whole Ben chatter is not as as extreme right now as it used to be uh, last week, this time last week. And I think they kind of played this perfectly. So I think now people are kind of like, yeah, I would take Ben back. I would take Ben back. I'm I'm excited to, to hear what your thought process is about what is this team's ceiling if Ben does come back? Because I'll tell you mine first. Like, I still look at us like losing in the second round or the conference finals. Like, I don't think we're a championship contender with him here or without him there. I don't want it. I don't want people to lose that feeling of we still need a perimeter guy who can create their shot and who can we can rely on um, in crunch time to uh, to score like we have since Jimmy Butler left and before Jimmy Butler was here. What do you think about all this? Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, I think that it's important to remember the, the Atlanta series. Uh, I think yeah. it's very important to remember that Atlanta series for the rest of the time. Um, and I remember after that series, I told myself, don't let yourself, if this is the same team, don't let yourself talk yourself into a 60 win mm-hmm. or 50 win season, meaning that this team can win a title as currently constructed because they can't. And we've seen it enough now that they can't. Um, now, does that mean there's no scenario that bringing Ben back uh, we could make a run? No, of course not. We could. They're, they're, the Heat went to the finals. The, the Raptors went to the finals. So anything could happen. But on a likelihood basis, then I, I would say, yeah, the, the most likely outcome is losing in the second round with Ben Simmons. So you're going to need to make that move to move Ben Simmons to get a guy who can come and create offense, who can come and be that guy at the end of shot clock, who can come and be that guy in the fourth quarter. I mean, uh, CJ McCollum's looking pretty good out there in Portland, averaging like 30. Um, but whatever. I, I I do think that there's prob- there's a scenario where Tyrese Maxey explodes for the rest of the year, and maybe he makes this team a title contender with Ben Simmons. Probably not, though. Uh, it's probably not a fair assumption. It's probably not a fair thing to hope for, even. Um, so... Is that trading Ben for a playmaker? Is that making a separate trade than Ben? I, I don't even really necessarily know what that would be at this time. Um, like I know last year uh, I wanted Lonzo instead of Kyle Lowry. Everyone else wanted Kyle. Both are off the table now, obviously. But I wanted Lonzo instead of Kyle Lowry to come and pair with Joel and Ben and be that point guard and keep Ben's defense around. Um, and I think that would have worked. I think Lonzo Ball on that team last year would have worked with what we would have had to trade for him. Danny Green, Maxi, whatever. I think it would have worked. But what would Ben have not. done in the offense there? 
if that if you think that would have worked. Like I, I just look, I just think of Ben sitting around on offense if Lonzo well, Ball was here. Well, what is he going to do without him? You're not wrong. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah. just thinking like I could definitely see him walking into Daryl Morey's office and be like, "What is my, what do I do on this team?" It's like Ben, you just play defense, and I don't know if he'd like. I don't know if he would be okay with that game plan. Well, I don't think he would have left last year. Like, I think he would have kept playing as we were the one seed and they made a trade for, I think he's actually friends with Lonzo too. Um, so I, I think that that would have ended up working out. And Lonzo is not completely ball dominant to that point. Like Ben still would have been able to run a ton of fast break and a ton of whatever he wanted, really. If he wanted to run some point guard offense, he could have. Um, but I think that Lonzo would have just been taking a lot of the onus away from what Seth Curry was having to create last year um, in the postseason. Um, and, and the thing about Lonzo was his three-point shooting and his defense both brought stuff that, that could have helped this team beyond just having a guy that could be a real point guard who can shoot. So um, it, there's obviously ways that you can add to the team with Ben, or maybe it's like you mentioned trading Tobias. I don't necessarily know who's trading for Tobias Harris, but um, so I, I don't know how you'd get this team better without trading Ben. And that's always kind of been the issue. And that's the issue right now. And it doesn't seem like a trade is, you know, incoming right now for Ben. It seems like we're going to be in this holding pattern until January, at least, or until at least, you know, all the players who signed and were traded and all that stuff, all those restrictions get taken down and the whole league's able to be traded for. Uh, I imagine that that'll help some things along, but who knows, man? I, I agree with you, though. It, it, ben Simmons has disappeared from um, the news, uh, which I appreciate. Thank mm-hmm. you, Ben. Thank yeah. you, Clutch. Uh, I don't know how much longer you could talk about Ben Simmons on every pod. I, I can't do it. But uh, there was something that made me – like, I am longing for uh, Ben Simmons' discontent rumors now that I know that there will be a topic on this podcast about fucking NFTs. How do you know that? NFTs are going to save the season, Mark. If that's the case, I don't even know if I want to be involved in the season. <laughs> if, the, if, if the crypto dogs and the crypto cats and the gutter dogs and the gutter cats save the season, you would say give the title back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at this cutie. Look at him. I just don't get it, man. I, gutter I dog really... 591. I really don't 1900 now Ben Simmons is only spending 1900 dollars on a gutter dog. Come on. Gotta be better than that. Gotta this be better is, than that. It, That's it, his, by the way, did the rock invent the whole like black turtleneck gold chain thing? No, you can buy accessories with this. So you could buy his captain hat, you could probably buy his little slit over the eye, his toothpick, his his necklace, his his uh his turtleneck. So this is what the gutter dogs are, man. The year is 2050. Humans are inter- interplanetary species. That means we're up at the moon now. They've all been in the post-apocalyptic shatters of society on Earth. Cats have taken over. One crime-ridden, nondescript inner city, let's probably say New York, is inhabited by a group of cats collectively known as the gutter cats, no longer able to rely on the crutch of man's best friend or live in their nice suburban homes, the gutter dogs had to move to the inner city and reinvent themselves as tough guys. It's like the sharks and the jets. I love it. Now the dogs spend their days flexing, fighting, and hustling in the streets to make ends meet, trying to figure out a way to make it to the top. All right, so the gutter dogs are basically drug dealers. That's what I got out of that. But um, the thing is... They're gentrifying the neighborhood from the cats. The thing is, Mark, an NFT is like, why do we, it's like, it's like cash is fun, fungible. Like this is not fungible. Like I'll never be able to hold this gutter dog. But the thing is, it's like, 
why do we invest in stocks? Why do we? Why do rich people uh, buy art? Why do we buy Bitcoin? It's not real. Stocks more than anything are real, but you know it's not really real. We don't know why it goes up, why it goes down, why it's here, why it's there. Are you waiting for me to have an opinion on this? I, I don't know. I, I, I actually <laughs> kind of I'm kind of interested in what you might think. Uh, I think this is like the, you said you're kind of interested in what I might think. I think NFTs, golf, stocks are the three things I never want to talk about in life. Like throw the bachelor in there too. Those are like the top four, like Mount Rushmore. I think I have all those muted on my Twitter. Uh, you, the Mount Rushmore of like topics Mark has no thoughts on uh, is, is the bachelor golf stocks and NFTs. Well, Mark, you, you better get ready to talk about NFTs. Cause <laughs> you're the new proud owner of an NFT. The crypto what is going shark. on here? The crypto <laughs> shark. Look at this guy. Look how cool he is. He's, he's in Hollywood at one point. He's in Egypt another. He's eating pizza. He's a housewife. He's a doctor. He's in China. He's like, look at this guy. This is our NFT. This is our crypto shark. Crypto shark number 3757. He looks like um, the the shark from Shark Tale. Sure. Or the, sh- the yeah. shark. The sure. nice I shark. Mean, they they dedicate a whole week to sharks, so that's why I invested in shark and in, in shark uh, the crypto shark. You think that this crypto is going to to skyrocket during Shark Week? If we build this podcast and get bigger and bigger and bigger and more people buy into the crypto shark, I think that means our crypto shark will will increase in value. There was a one of the gutter dogs just sold for thirty four million dollars. Wouldn't you like thirty four million dollars? Sure. Is it fungible? That is fungible. You might <laughs> you you might have to to convert it to Ethereum, then convert it back to U.S. dollars, then convert it to your bank. <laughs> but you know we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Right now we're sitting pretty at twenty one sixty eight for Crypto Shark number three seven five seven. I mean, look at this guy; he's so cool. Like he's multi dimensional. Like, all right, I have a dog and a turtleneck and a gold chain. All right, I have ten different sharks. Can you pause them or no? No, I can't. I tried yesterday when I bought it. <laughs> I could just pull it up more. I like him. Yeah. I mean, he's a judge. He's a doctor. He's a housewife. You he's can. in Hollywood. He's in Bali. He might get canceled with his cultural appropriation, but th- that's that's NFT life right there. You never know what goes up, what goes down. Why do you buy a Picasso that's just like blotches of paint on it? It makes no so, sense. So when it says twenty one sixty eight there at point oh oh five, is that what you spent on this? That I spent twenty one sixty eight, and there were some fees involved and whatnot. Let's just call it around like fifty five dollars. It's wow, That's it's like a two and a half unit play on this crypto shark. I know, but it's it's like Ethereum's weird, man. Like I guess if you if you want to transfer money from your bank account to the Coinbase wallet to get some Ethereum. You have to pay fees on it. The fees are exorbitant. I don't know. Supposedly, Bitcoin is bad for the environment because you have to mine it and it takes a lot of energy and whatnot. And that's why Elon Musk stopped using it to buy Teslas and whatnot. It's it's crazy. I'm learning so much about crypto and and uh, and NFTs. And, and now we own one. So easy to own one. Gang, gang. That's our gang, hashtag. Gang. Gang, gang, for sure. For sure, gang, gang. But 
I want to make clear to the Everything's Fine listeners that Kyle is the NFT uh, guru here on Everything's Fine. I, I'm ceding that title. How do you feel about owning your first NFT? Is it life-changing? I don't feel like I own this. You own That's, this? Eh, I feel we like... This. <laughs> I'm not sending you 1.75 units. <laughs> I, will, I, don't, I, don't I, will, I will get this back in sweat That's equity. I did bad math. 1.25 units, not 1.75. But I like the shark. I'm I'm in on the shark. It was a good it was a good one, right? I like him more than the gutter dog. Oh, see, because he's multidimensional. Look at that. That's yeah, like yeah, uh yeah. I like that it's I don't a know. gif. Make it a make a, a comparison to like who's the, like a multidimensional. He's like an Alva Kamara. He's a Swiss army knife. Yeah, he's like the Riddler. Okay. Yeah. He went out totally other direction. Totally. Yeah, they're kind of similar. Like Taysom Hill, Swiss Army knife. I'm I'm out on it if it's Taysom Hill. Okay, it's not Taysom Hill. It's Avatar. <laughs> a do everything NFT. That's all you need. All right, I feel like I'm gonna have a seizure if I keep looking. Yeah, at seriously. I'm yeah, friend so, with epilepsy. Don't watch this episode. Yeah, j- just do the podcast in this one. Um, <laughs> well, congratulations on your first NFT, Mark. I'm pumped. Yeah, I can tell. I could tell. <laughs> hey, listen, you talk about it. We pump it up. It goes up to $30. We got like, I don't know, 0. 0.005 of an Ethereum. Ethereum's- Ethereum takes all our money when we when we try to take it out. <laughs> have not tried that yet. Yeah, that is, that is, <laughs> that'll be an interesting move. It'll probably be like, oh, yeah, you could sell this for $30,000 and you'll see 800 of it. So, yeah, we're just uh, we're diving into the crypto world, gang, gang. All right, so let's get into Mike K., uh, Eagles beat reporter for NJ.com. Talk a little Nick Sirianni. I don't even think we covered the Detroit game. Just listen to it because a it actually bit. made me happy. I actually, what what did it make you? It made me willing to forget the flower comment is what I think it made me. No, it didn't. It didn't make me willing to forget the flower mm. comment. You're going to hear a lot from Mike K telling you that the flower comment doesn't mean anything and excusing Sirianni's Zoom press conferences. Uh, I stayed silent, but uh, where were you? Excuse- you got, you got. If you feel something, say something. The excuses don't ring too valid for me. I, I the rest of the NFL, all the coaches in the league aren't talking about flowers. So what are you doing, all- sitting behind and just sitting quiet? I, I, I said a little bit. Little I, I, stupid, your stupid little door closet area. What are you doing? I, I said a little bit. I said my piece. What are you scared of, Mike K? You don't want to challenge him? A little bit. It's big, nice facial hair. I don't know. I didn't want to. I didn't want to upset him. He's him and Nick are buddies. All right. Well, we're getting the Mike K. Just remember, hey, Mark Henry didn't give a fuck about anything he said the whole interview. That's not true. <laughs> All right. We have Mike K, Eagles beat reporter from MJ.com. Mike, thanks for joining the show. First thing for you, did the roots grow one percent today? A little. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe even one point one percent. I don't know. It's. Uh... Does he know you? He has. He doesn't have to tell you everything that goes on <laughs> in the organization. Apparently, he's not counseled <laughs> well enough to know that. You know, I mean, it's it's a feeding frenzy. Look, the sharks are gathering, and uh, you know, radio folks and fans and and others are are really just jumping on the pile. But it's Philly. I mean, it, look, it's Philly. Like it, it's his first year. He's figuring it out. Does so? You're right where. You say it's Philly, and I know 
I guess the thing is, like, the guy speaks in analogies, but we'd also rip him if he didn't say anything and just spoke in football speak, where, where it really comes down to it. Just so happens that he's we got the we got the analogies guy this time. Last year we had the football speak guy, and from the outside, if I'm a player in the locker room, I'm just rolling my eyes. But does it seem like the guys are still kind of bought in, kind of still love the guy, or what do you think? Yeah, I think this is a young enough group where if the veterans aren't rolling their eyes, and Jason Kelsey isn't that type of guy, Lane Johnson isn't that type of guy, that they'll just follow along. There aren't guys in the locker room who are ownery. Like, they're just not. They're, they're, this is a group that is pretty tame. Their veterans are pretty tame. They're not super outspoken. I mean, I know we'll probably get into the Fletcher Cox stuff uh, later on, but, I mean, for the most part – Guys like Roddy McLeod, excuse me, uh, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, they all seem to be bought in. Um, you got to remember, some of the veterans that they brought in during free agency were with Jonathan Gannon in Minnesota. They have backgrounds with them. So it's it's not like any of these guys were surprised. I think what's been good for Nick Sirianni is he is genuine, and he's been himself the whole time. Like It's not like he's switching things up. He reminds me a lot of Gus Bradley. I, I'm not talking about like on-the-field stuff, but – off the field, look, I, I covered him for the final year and a half of his, his tenure. He never lost the locker room until maybe two games before he got fired. And he was there for almost four years, so uh, or almost five. Um, I, I think, look, I think it's a natural reaction for us to pile on a guy or pile on a team that's two and five. If he was five and two, it would be treated like the Doug Peterson ice cream stuff, in my opinion. Just just having that that wherewithal of saying, like, you know, when you're winning, everything's cute. If you think everybody in the Rams locker room loves Sean McVay, you're an idiot. Um, nobody's going to have the full attention of a team, but winning cures all. When you're losing... You know, I mean, not everybody liked Andy Reid, especially when they left Philadelphia. That was not a thing. Uh, not everybody liked Doug Peterson. Not everybody hated Chip Kelly. Um, Philly is a city that really hangs on absolutes. And I think you're seeing that here um, with Nick Sirianni, who I actually think is a very smart guy for the new age. I guarantee you, if you pulled the Eagles and Giants locker rooms anonymously, more than 75% of those players would say, I'd rather have a guy that coaches like Sirianni than a guy that coaches like Joe Judge, um, who to me comes off phony, like a phony tough guy. Nick Sirianni has never come off phony to me at all. Maybe you don't believe what he's saying. Maybe he's using hyperbole. Maybe he's using out-of-touch analogies. But he's the same guy. He's the same guy that we met in January. That's who he is, um, for better or worse. And I think... You can, you can criticize a lot about Nick Sirianni. Believe me, a lot. Uh, but I do think one thing that should be applauded is that he's open and honest. And we're always asking for guys to be open and honest. Avante Maddox said today, as I'm rambling, you know, you can't always listen to a guy talk in football terms. Like, that's valid. Um, you know, I mean how annoying would it be if you guys just talked in radio fundamentals all day? Right. So, um, and like Barchard, 
who is a near and dear friend of mine for over a decade, he loves analogies. He and I used to go back and forth and make jokes and puns and all this stuff. So while this this flower stuff is funny, because it is, it's funny. Uh, I got into it with some people at the facility about it because it is funny. Um, I don't think it's awful. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's like a bad look either. Uh, is it is it a divided beat room down there between? <laughs> no, it's just more of like some people are on on the thing like, wow, that was that was rough. Other people are like, okay, cool, whatever. And then there are other people who are like, this dude's like a natural teacher. This he's using like vague analogies to kind of reach players who are just not like let, let's put it this way if you're not if you love if you like football and you're good at football but you don't love football like if you were at work right and you sold insurance would you want to hear about insurance the entire freaking day or would you want to would you want to hear about the set of steak knives that you could win for for selling you know I think I'm going into Glenn Gary. No, here's another one. If 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 you were a basketball player getting paid 144 million dollars and you kind of liked basketball but you didn't really love basketball, would you want to hear about basketball all the time? Yeah, evidently no. Yeah, that's a no then, right there. But like, and 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 I think that's an important key to hit on is look with this Ben Simmons situation. If he had a coach maybe like Nick Sirianni, maybe this is a little bit different. Um, you know, we can talk about Doc Rivers' aptitude as a head coach uh, for hours, probably. I mean... Um, His aptitude is taking the bus, rolling it over somebody, then backing it up and rolling it back over. I mean, I saw the guy ruin, uh, waste Tracy McGrady for five years, so I, I, I'm very... I'm very aware of what he's capable of outside of having one championship ring. Uh, going back to your one point, uh, there is plenty to criticize about Sirianni. I, I agree there, and I, I don't, I don't disagree at all. Into the point that he's not phony. That yeah, I definitely agree there. So this is, a, I guess, a two-parted question. Do we need to think going forward? Let's say this doesn't work, and they end up having to hire someone else down the line. Do we? Can we hire someone from a like middling major? media market who has clearly no media experience like Nick Sirianni does, or do you have to go somewhere and hire someone from a, an OC or a DC from a, a place that has more legitimate media than I guess what Indianapolis has. And then the second part is, is he just too nice of a guy to be a good NFL coach? I, I kind of think Brett Brown was too nice of a guy to be an NBA coach. You compared it to doc rivers uh, and you compared it to the Ben Simmons situation. I think there's a lot of parallels between Brett Brown and Nick Sirianni. That's an awesome. Those are two really awesome questions. So I think that's tough, right? I think the Eagles always have a very limited. You know how like they they sold this whole perspective of wow, we're gonna like have this extensive search and blah 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 blah. That's cool if you're gonna have a huge search. That doesn't mean guys are gonna want the job. I think the Eagles and and really uh, teams in the Philly market in general have a very limited uh, amount of realistic options when they search for a head coach, right? Um, look, Andy Reid came from Green Bay. While there are high expectations there, it's still Green Bay. If you've ever been to Appleton or Green Bay, you know it's not Philly, right? Chip Kelly came from Oregon. I'll tell you personally, I've lived out on the West Coast and was told, hey, you need to like chill out your Northeastness. Like I, I literally had a boss pull me aside and said, look, like cut the shit. Like, yeah. which I didn't really think I was that whatever. Anyway. I hated that job anyway. But um, so 
like I do think there is some sort of emotional toughness that you have to ha- be conditioned for. I don't think Nick's not emotionally conditioned for Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia is not emotionally conditioned for Nick Sirianni. Hmm. Because, look, I think this would play well in a lot of small markets. I don't think it's always on the head coach, right? Like, it's sometimes guys are being a little too tough. Sometimes guys have too high of expectations. I talk about this with Brandon Gowden all the time. It's like, you want the guys to be perfect, but remember, before that Super Bowl, I guarantee you there were fans that were like, I would give up 10 years of winning football for one Super Bowl. That didn't last very long, huh? So I think that's kind of where it is. This is such a passionate fan base, and this is such a large media market that it can be you know, worrisome if you're not accustomed to it. I also think you know, you brought up too nice of a guy. Maybe. I think Doug was too nice of a guy, frankly. Um and I think that was part of his demise. He might have been too loyal um, because, look, he did go to bat for Press Taylor. I can tell you that that coaching staff, the rest of that coaching staff, would not have gone to bat for Press Taylor. Uh, and a bunch of guys lost jobs. So I think maybe too nice is not the word for Nick Sirianni. I think maybe it's that he is too much of himself, right? Like sometimes being genuine doesn't always cut it, right? Like, uh, we see movie stars who are who are very genuine and who are very forward. Look, uh, Mila Kunis is getting killed for the way she bathes her kids, but she was being honest, right? So uh, I don't know why that came to mind. I got to check that out when I get off this yeah, podcast. I miss I that. Hear about I miss yeah, that. boom. Now you got to, yeah, her and Ashton Kutcher apparently, you know, have interesting, ha, treat their kids like I treat my jeans. Like if they're not that dirty, eh, who knows? Um, <laughs> so... Look, I mean, it's different strokes for different folks. It's tough being a beat writer in Philadelphia, I'll tell you that. It's probably tough hosting a podcast in, in Philadelphia um, and having the sense of humors and the and, and the intelligence you guys do. Because sometimes it is you just see red, right? And I'm not talking about, like, the live button over here. I'm talking about, like, there are fans that – look, I put out an article yesterday where it was none of my opinion – um, I pulled a uh, former Eagles tight end, Clay Harbor, uh, former assistant coach, Ryan Paganetti, um, two former GMs and uh, Ross Tucker and said, Hey, look, would you bench Jalen Hurts? And they were all like, that's crazy. And then I get a bunch of messages down there. Jalen Hurts is who he is, blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? You guys have probably watched a collective six Jaguars games from the past two years. Uh, Gardner Minshew is not that much better if he is better and he has his own warts. So I think like, you know, as much as we talk about Philly fans being very intelligent, they're also very passionate and they can be very angry. And I think sometimes all of that gets muddled together and it's, it's really tough to kind of coexist. I'm not quite as bullish on uh, the Philadelphia fans intelligence. Uh, That that is uh, definitely something me and Kyle argue about on on here quite often. And I think uh, kind of a, a natural reaction in Philadelphia is scapegoating. And I think no matter what the season is, no matter what happens, whether it be last year's Sixers failure or the year before or the Phillies last decade of failures, there's always that notion from a fan base where we get rid of this one guy and it's all going to be fixed for next year. And that's such a common thing. And I guess, who do you think that could end up being if this continues to go South? Do they, 
you know, get rid of a brand new coaching staff or do they hold on to Howie and Sirianni? Do they maybe get rid of Gannon? It already seems like guys like Cox and some other guys are throwing Gannon under the bus before they're throwing Sirianni under the bus. Or does it all fall on Jalen Hurts eventually? And they all they bring back the entire coaching staff, draft a quarterback, trade a quarterback. Well, I guess who do you think will end up being the guy who gets blamed incorrectly or correctly for this season? Well, I said before they they got rid of Carson and Doug that if one goes, all should go. Um, I'm a big believer in clean slates. Um, look, this is how he's uh, effectively his third head coach, which typically GMs get two head coaches. Now you can talk about the Chip Kelly stuff. He did have to return um, to glory, but he did win the, 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 look, that 2017 season is a masterclass in being a general manager. I don't really care what anybody says. Objectively, it is a brilliant from start to finish. It's a brilliant off season through the season. Now you get ahead to 2018. They traded for Golden Tate because they thought they were a weapon away. He was the most affordable and cost-effective one. They also thought they could get a comp pick if he didn't re-sign. That was, that was on paper smart. Then they realized that he and Nelson Aguilar couldn't coexist in the same field because of their, their, um, their talent and their skill sets. They win a playoff game by a miracle. Uh, Nick Foles has them competing in a game in New Orleans that they got blown out in. Uh, earlier in the year with Carson Wentz. Um, okay, whatever. Then Carson Wentz has maybe the most overrated 2019 season you can possibly have. Because um, I'll tell you this, there are people in the building that didn't think he played all that well in 2019 until they got into that final stretch of NFC East's lowly teams. And that's basically what happened. Um, and then he comes back, they draft Jalen Hurts, Um you know, Emmanuel Acho just had a rant about like how they drafted Dallas Goddard when they had Zach Ertz, uh, Hertz when they had Carson Wentz. Listen, Carson Wentz left every was not on the field for the last snap of every season that he played in, except for his rookie year. They wanted a cheap way to mitigate it. I'm not saying it's the right move, I but I understand the logic. Look, they've taken their lumps. They're not a good drafting team. Um, I partially blame that on the personnel department who had Joe Douglas, whose uh, outlook on on uh, scouting players is, hey, that guy's got a ton of numbers. And his outlook on free agency is, hey, I know that guy. And now he's trading for Joe Flacco. Oh, boy. Um, but I digress. But Andy Weidel's from that 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 G- or that front office tree. Um and look, I'm not putting the blame on anybody else. Howie deserves to be criticized. They he, they have had a very quick demise from that Super Bowl. And he deserves to be held accountable, especially when you consider that Doug Peterson was fired after three years of, of, of work from the Super Bowl. So, I, look, if they're going to fire Sirianni, they should fire everybody. Everybody should be gone. Um, I don't think any you can hang your hat on anyone that's up top right now, except for, I, weirdly enough, Michael Clay, who I think has done a fantastic job as a first-year special teams coordinator. Um, and look, they should have hired an experienced coordinator somewhere. Mike McCoy, who was there in training camp, should have been the offensive coordinator in title. Shane Steichen should have been the, the quarterback's coach. I know they wanted to have a bit more of a diverse coaching staff, getting the um, a, a quarterback coach of color was very important to them. But when you look at the dynamics of this whole thing, it's like Nick has no sounding board in the moment. 
sure, he can call up Frank Reich. Sure, he can call up his dad and his brother, who he, he should probably stop mentioning because I know that's dry, driving a lot of people on the outside crazy. Um, you know, it, my mom's my hero, too. I don't bring her up all the time. <laughs> you don't call her for writing an article? No, like, I Mom, don't. I'm trying to find yeah. the right way to use there in this sentence. And what's crazy is so you talk about perception, everything. I come from a family where my parents own one of the most successful public relations firms in South Florida. Like I know the business on the opposite side. Um, and look, I, look, the PR stuff has not gone, gone great there. I don't even think that's the Eagles PR staff's fault. It's look, they've made some bad moves. The whole Deshaun Watson, you know, pulse checking thing is, is also a bad look. I think they're at a point right here where Howie has done a very good job of setting the Eagles up for the future. They're going to have a lot more cap space next year. They're going to have three first round picks, potentially They have 11 picks overall, but you don't feel good about him making those picks. And I think that's something that Jeffrey Lurie really needs to consider because the outlook is extremely bright because Nick Sirianni hasn't done enough to prove that you have to hold on to him and a new GM who has the opportunity to hire his own head coach and have three first round picks is a great opportunity no matter where you're at. Um, so I think that's something that they need to take into consideration. I'm not convinced that Nick's one and done. I think if they win seven games, which they can easily do, by the way, um, I think he sticks around. Now there is going to be some sort of scapegoat. There's no question that there are going to be moves made in this coaching staff. If I'm Jeffrey Lurie, I'm saying, look, Shane Steichen seems like a really super nice guy and he looks a lot like Dak Shepard, but uh, we need to bring in somebody of somewhat experience, where as in, if you continue to screw up as a play caller, we need somebody we can hand the, you know, the baton to. I think they need to hire a defensive line coach or a linebackers coach who has defensive coordinator experience, because frankly, right now, if you fire Jonathan Gannon, no one can call this defense. So uh, that's another thing as well. Um, yeah, so that's I hope. What that about is- the deadline? You think, can I throw a couple of names at you and yeah, you yeah, just go yeah. kind of yes or no? If you react, yeah, you react. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know you wrote in your article, Andre Dillard. I, I think absolutely. You, yeah. Um, Steven Nelson. Yes. Okay. I, I, I mean, look, if, if somebody gave me a fourth round pick for Steven Nelson, I would do it right now. Slay. No. Okay. Can I ask why? Yeah. I know we see a lot of, selfish or self-centeredness on, on Twitter, but he's actually very good for the locker room. People seem to really like him. I also don't know if you're going to be able to find a corner next year, who's going to be ready to be that number one guy right away. And I think he can be a very good influence on a young corner. Um, Plus you've invested the assets in him. Yeah. Yeah. I just see a lot of teams that that need corners. I mean, it seems to be the the, the biggest need around the NFL. You'd have to give me a two and a player and a player. Uh, Derek Barnett. For what? For I don't know. The what? Titans, maybe. Defensive end on the Titans. Defensive end for the, for the Chiefs. Uh, I don't know. I know 10 you million. Have as many, you have as many sacks as he does, and you've <laughs> played know. significantly less sacks. I mean, Change of scenery? I just don't know. I mean, he's on the last year of his deal, and I don't even know if you can really trade him because of the way that they realigned his contract. So what they did was – it's something that teams are starting to do now with the franchise tag where they're trying to – mitigate the damage of of the big cap number so they're spreading it out with dummy years like you you know all know about dummy years like the eagles have been doing that for years but with the franchise tag a lot of teams are or not the franchise tag sorry the fifth year option excuse me i spoke 
poorly there. Uh, with a fifth-year option, they're they're trying to spread it out to the point where it doesn't affect their spending that year. Hmm. I got three more real Go quick: Miles Sanders, Jason Kelsey, Dallas Goddard. Miles Sanders, I wouldn't trade for him uh, from an injury standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, who are the other two? I'm sorry, Kelsey. No, there's no one way. year nine million. There's no way. Shed the 2018 Super Bowl he, well, aura. He, he he's got a poison pill in his contract. So um, essentially, what happens is if he's not cut by a certain point next year, that contract balloons to like thirty million dollars. So I don't mm. know why a team would trade for him. Okay. Also, center is a really tough position to allocate towards a, a new arrival because you have to know the offense in and out. You have to be the smartest guy on the field, and it's just like midseason. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense. Plus, he's older and and small, uh, smaller center, so you don't know what his injury impact is if you're putting him in a different scheme. So, all right, is that you buried that one, uh, yeah. Dallas Goddard? No, I'd rather either have the option of having a franchise tag or seeing what he can do as the number one tight end. I don't I, like, I, I think, I think my perspective on Dallas Goddard is you traded Zach Ertz. This is clearly about Dallas Goddard. You have, you have to make the rest of the season about this season. Might the rest of the season might be more about Dallas Goddard than it is Jalen hurts. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if you really think about it, he's like the one true playmaker you have unquestionably developed and, and internally can point to and say, Hey Jeffrey, uh, how about this Dallas Goddard cat? You know what I mean. So I, I just I don't see how he doing that. Anyone I miss, Mark? I mean, you mentioned, uh, you know, you mentioned Dillard. Uh, there's no one else really off the top of my brain. I wish we could trade Jalen Rager for for a seventh oh. round pick, but oh, hmm. Do you think something could happen with Rager? I do. Yeah. Wow. I do, and that's that's a hunch. That's not a re- yeah. obviously not a report, but. If there was a player that would come out of nowhere, yes. For Denzel Mims. We'll just, we'll just swap. Oh, would, <laughs> we'll just swap. That would be brutal. Um, Big 12 wide receivers. Keep an eye on the AFC South. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, one, one more before I get you out of here. The most dangerous 0-7 team in NFL history coming up, the Lions. Uh, I don't know how hard. they – I don't. It's it's seven impressive culture losses in in Dan Campbell's system. I, I'm so there tired are no of losses, just lessons. Yeah, exactly. The game might suck. The the after the post game press conferences are going to be amazing. Um, have you talked to Dan Campbell yet? Is he giving you guys media availability? I know they don't have to this year. They did earlier. I was working on a project, and uh, Chris Franklin talked to him, my my beat partner, and then so, so Dan Campbell doesn't get you off the couch. Uh, maybe like no i don't really need to listen about kneecaps i think look i i think it's another one of those things right where it's a different market if he was in a different market with a team that wasn't used to losing he'd be ripped to shreds like crying in a press conference he'd be ripped to shit right now that would never work here right right now it's endearing right it Mm -hmm. just depends on your market it depends on what's happening uh when it rains it pours i think the goo dolls once said it always rains the hardest in the loser's day in the rain or some shit like that. I don't know. I was listening to them on the way here. I love it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. So I was just really looking to see. And I also think you're exactly right where it's like, I defended Sirianni so hard because he just mumbled and bumbled over his opening press conference and people labeled him an idiot right away. And Dan Campbell was like the next coming saying, I'm going to bite kneecaps and stuff. And that just really pissed me off. And the Pat McAfee show does stupid bits with him and everything and with Sirianni and, 
just all pissed me off. Well, so. well, here's the thing. Like, you guys, we're talking via Zoom, but I guarantee if we went out and got beers, our conversation would be completely different, right? Mm-hmm. The Zoom era is really tough. Like, yeah. I have never messed up more questions in my entire career than being on Zoom. So it's tough. Like, it's tough to have that that personality and, and that relationship building. And I think he was kind of set up to fail in that regard, um, which is nobody's fault, but obviously COVID. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's easy to point fingers at guys. It's easy for morning shows uh, who have people there that never show up to the facility, who like to rag on people and, and whatever. Um, I'm a big believer that if you crap on somebody uh, in print or on the radio, that you show up the next day and you better be at that person's locker at that person's press conference. I just think it's a respect thing. Um, I like and, that. Well, no, I mean, like, look, I – Here's the thing. So I've had like a really weird string of, of press conferences where I've always gotten the most controversial answer out of out of everybody. So the the Fletcher Cox sacks uh, no uh, screens no sacks or whatever that that was for me. Okay. Um, I I had this. Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember, but like there have been like a, a bunch of them. Like I'll ask hard questions in a press conference. There's no problem with that. Jeff McClain asked hard questions in a press conference. Les Bowen, who's my, probably my professional hero in Philadelphia, asked hard questions all the time. He was at a press conference freelancing the other day. I said, I need a less question in this thing. Boom. There he goes. So, um, and you guys did an amazing interview with him a couple of months ago oh. for the people that are listening to it. Thank and you. Somehow missed it. Uh, that's one of my, I, I mean, I, Les is one of a kind. And I think, he will always be underrated. He's another guy who is genuine. And I think he's a guy who's caught a lot of heat for being genuine. Right. So, um, you know, he's been a punchline sometimes, if you, if you will. Um, no pun intended. Yeah, no, no, that pun was intended. <laughs> um, so look, I, I think, I think he, he, I'm a big believer that, look, I used to be a fan, right? Uh, I think that you you have to focus on what matters, right? And what matters are wins and losses, points scored, points allowed. And look, the messaging can be awful. I mean, look, I covered Gus Bradley. I covered Doug Marone, who literally spoke in football terms. Um, I think Nick is a breath of fresh air in the fact that he does not hide behind anything. He really, I mean, he's he is who he is, like. You know, people make the Ted Lasso thing, but like he actually knows what he's doing. I think it's just a matter of, look, he's learning on the job and it's not going that well. Yeah. All right. Before I get you out of here, there's no chance they lose, right? I'm really worried about DeAndre Swift running into the teeth of the defense, but that's really it. Can you name one of their wide receivers? Probably Mark and definitely Mark and definitely. Then then do it. Then do yeah, it. Mark, I mean, we got Amon Ross, St. Brown. We got Quintez Cephas. Yeah, I'm struggling a, a couple more off is the top Cephas of my still, head. But is Cephas still sidelined? He was questionable last week, so but I don't know. he doesn't freaking count. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Mark's a big fantasy football guy, so. Yeah. Yeah, St. Brown's all right. I mean, he's had an okay year. Um, Zero corners. Think, all their corners are like Yeah, hurt. their corners are not good. Um, their linebackers are not good. Um, big V's their right guard which should help them a little bit. Um, I think Frank Ragnow, their center's injured. So that if, if Fletcher Cox can't win on, on Sunday, it's going to be a real excuse show after the game. Um, 
Maybe Jonathan Gannon will call him out. Ooh, that would. I wish they would talk on after games. I wish coordinators would talk after games. But look, I'm. I think Jared Goff has regressed to the point of basically being like Kyle Orton, and so uh, I, I just think it's bad. I think this is the game he actually like inevitably gets benched mm. for David Blau. Blow Blau Blue. Is that who the backup is? Wow, wow. Um, all right. Well, hey, you just. You shot us up, I feel like, with a lot of positivity. I wasn't I was coming in here seeing red like you're talking about. But I kind of feel better about Nick. Feel a little bit better about Howie too, a little bit. I just like I, to me, it's like I get it, but like I think Jacksonville as a, a as a market kind of helped me kind of get the perspective of like, look, this could be so much worse. Um and I, I think look, the, they don't have the personnel that they want to work with. It's abundantly clear. They can say whatever they want. That's the one thing that I think has come off disingenuous. If I can point out one thing, Jonathan Gannon says he has the personnel to make it work. Nick it, Nick says he's got the personnel to make it work. They have to say that. They That's like the one thing you, you know, like when your wife's like, isn't this a great shade of, uh, of lipstick? And it's like, have you ever seen the league with the, with the, yeah. Um, yeah. So like, and you gotta be like, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Like, it's like, how do I look in this dress? You look fantastic. Yeah, right. It, terrific. It, I married you. You're great. Um, but yeah, that, that to me is uh, is kind of what's going on here. And I think who's in charge of personnel? So if, if one fails, they all fail, in my opinion. Well, that's Mike K. You can read him at NJ.com and follow him. Where, where do we follow you? Uh, the worst Twitter handle in the history of the planet. Uh, at Mike underscore E underscore K-A-Y-E. <laughs> And you told me you uh, can't change that because once you get verified, you can't change your. Yeah, well, I, apparently now you can once, but I feel uh, like it's become such a gimmick now that I, I can't. You know what I mean? Yeah, you've it's embraced like, the handle. Like the blue meanie can't just turn into the green meanie all of a sudden. You know what I mean? It's true. Where where a, what would that do? That'd be a terrible gimmick. I've it met the blue terrible. meanie. Oh, Brian, big Brian's big fan of that. Yeah, Brian's reference. That. Yeah, yeah, so. so. Mike, thanks so much, man. Good luck in Detroit. I hear it's beautiful this time of year. <laughs> if you want I hate to be a beat writer who complains about traveling because I never <laughs> want to be that guy, but like whew, it's hol- here, what I'll say is this. I have a two year old and it's his first like cognitive Halloween. Uh, like he like knows what's going on. So my wife uh, my mom's flying out here, so I'm gonna tag out and she's gonna sit in for me, but I'm bummed that I'm missing him yeah. dressed as Captain America. So uh. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate it, and uh, love to have you on again. Absolutely. Whenever. All right, right, let's get into picks. Uh, What is the records? Do you have them off the top of your head? I did. um, Hold on. Go in your first pick, and I'll I'll pull up the records. Okay. My first pick, I don't love anything uh, I have here. Uh, Bucks minus four and a half. Uh, I forget who they're even playing. New Orleans. I like that pick. Okay, cool. Mark likes it. Go ahead. I am 15 and eight and you are seven and 16 currently. Um, So the first first one I'll go with is first quarter Bengals minus two and a half over the jets. What are we doing? That's, that's, that's the same bet as making a full game bet. Do you want to hear the stats? Why? I feel like, I feel like I'm bringing some, some heat to this podcast. uh, Just go ahead. Now I'm I'm annoyed. With some statistics, uh, the Jets are 32nd in passing. They're 32nd in offensive DVOA. They're last in EPA. In the first half of games, the Jets' QBs have zero touchdowns to six interceptions. 
The Jets have yet to intercept a pass. The only team in the NFL to not have done so. The Jets have been outscored 44 to nothing in the first quarter through six games, and they've been outscored 106 to 20 in the first half. So I like first quarter Jets, first half Jets, full game Jets, or no, a race. First quarter Bengals, first half Bengals, full game Bengals. Uh, those line, the full game line moved way more than the first quarter or first half lines, though. So I can still suggest the first quarter under a field goal and the first half under a touchdown favorite lines for the Bengals. The baby Bengals. I love the baby Bengals, the Burrow Bengals. Um, all right, my next one, I got Colts minus three. Don't love it. Don't love it. I don't understand what the Colts are like. I don't understand who I'm getting for the Titans. Titans could blow them out. Colts could blow them out. Or it could be a close game. I have really no read on this game, but it just feels like uh, um, you know, you know, Vegas sometimes like character corrects. I feel like this is a character correcting game for Tennessee. I feel like we just saw them come back against the Bills, take down Kansas City, which no one's talking about. I feel like nobody has loved with the Titans this week for for the NFL, but this just feels like a character correcting. Yeah, it, it just turned into a Mahomes hate fest. No one actually True. wanted to talk about the team on the other side, but I, I. That's a stay away game for me. I have over 23 and a half team total for both teams, which has went up since. But um, this that's like a 50-50 game. The Titans are one of the like teams in the league that I just have no read on. Um, but with the Colts, the Eagles probably need them to win that game to keep themselves convinced that they can win that division. Um, mm-hmm. The next pick I'll go with is Patriots plus six at the Chargers. They beat the Chargers 45-0 last year. I don't have too many stats. But maybe Belichick owns Justin Herbert. I don't know. Maybe he sees him. He, he figured him out last year. Or Justin Herbert comes out and drops 40 and wins this week. Um, uh, you know, it's probably my best bet, but I don't actually have a lot of faith behind it. <laughs> Patriots plus six. My Bobbitt bet, a bet that I would risk my dick for. Shout out Lorena Bobbitt. Uh, Cowboys minus two and a half. I don't know why it's two and a half. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess because of Dak's injury and why not Dak might not play. So if he doesn't play, know my vet, know my bet out. Do you mean plus? Is it Cowboys plus two and a half? I I know the line's been crazy moving. Let me check it out. Um, I got it right here. Plus two and a half, yeah. I'll take Cowboys plus two and a half. Yeah, I know Dak might not play, calf injury, whatnot. It's still a good team. It's still a really good team. That offense is humming. That defense is playing good. Gus Bradley backwards hat Gus. You know <laughs> he's uh, he's got the he's got the defense humming right now too. So I like uh, I like that plus two and a half Sunday night football. I also like the Dallas Cowboys plus two and a half on Sunday Night Football. I fucked up, though, because I took their money line early this week. So I was like, there's no way this line doesn't like go towards Dallas. I thought Dallas would be favored by three, three and a half by the end of the week. Obviously, the Dak injury has changed that. Um, If Dak doesn't play, I don't like the bet. But I think (laughs) that you're getting a potential crazy value here if Dak plays at plus two and a half. And I'm kind of willing to roll the dice to do so. Yeah, I like how Dan Orlowski was like, why would you risk him? And then Ed Warder was like, well, yeah, you could also not injure his calf and win. There's like two <laughs> different scenarios to like, yeah. this whole thing. All right, that's the podcast. Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook, TikTok, all that stuff. And uh, subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Bye. Bye.